Today on the podcast, we're talking about lessons I learned while in Tokyo. Hi, welcome to the Happy Healthy Human Radio. I'm your host, Samantha Attard, coming at you from the beautiful Washington, D.C. I'm an Ayurvedic coach, yoga instructor, and doula, sharing with you all the things I am learning about and teaching about in my everyday life so that we can all become just a little more balanced and blissful. I am so grateful that you're all here listening to our podcast. If you do enjoy it, you can subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes or share with a friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, In terms of events and good, amazing things that are happening, uh, first off, have you checked out any of my Saturday yoga classes yet? I am teaching Saturday morning beginner and intermediate yoga over in Boston. That's in Arlington, Virginia. They are fabulous classes. We have essential oils, um, assists, greats, playlists, and lots of fun. I would love to see you there. If you are interested, head on over to shop.behappyhealthyhuman.com and looking forward to seeing you in class. Also, we have just a couple more spots left in my yoga and Ayurveda retreat in May. So we're going to be spending three days uh, doing at least twice a day yoga, maybe even a third, uh, eating really delicious vegan food, homemade cooking classes, uh, learning about herbs, chakras, essential oils, and all of the fabulousness that life has to offer. It's going to be a beautiful day. Um, a beautiful three days over on a lake in Virginia. If you're interested, head over to my website, behappyhealthyhuman.com or um, send me a note and I can give you all the info on how to sign up. I would love to have you there. So with that being said, on to today's show. Um, Tokyo, I went to Japan for a week. It was pretty darn amazing. This was a last minute trip. Uh, Sean had to go for work and so I came along uh, to help him a bit but also to see Tokyo because since, you know, when do you get opportunities to go there? And it was really funny because I was feeling a little nervous about the trip um, kind of coming up and leading up to it. You know, I have work to do. I have, you know, my clients, my classes. Like, I, I like being home. I'm a little bit of a homebody in that way. And um, and then I realized that Sean and I really love this song called Lost in Japan. In fact, like, we played it at our wedding. Like, we really, really love this song. And so, obviously, we, like, manifested this trip into being. And so, it was a sign that we were supposed to go. And I'm really glad we did because it was a very, very, very beautiful Uh, trip and I'm just so grateful that we went. Tokyo was an amazing city. Um, So much going on, so many districts, so uh, much great food and uh, and just lovely. It just was so neat uh, to be in this city that was so different. Um, It it was a huge metropolitan city but also so different than what we have here in the U.S. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I eat vegan, you all know this, So I didn't get to like eat a lot of sushi or a lot of the very classical ramens, but I did get some great ramen while I was there, um, as well as some other um, beautiful food. So it was a great trip and uh, got to see cherry blossoms, eat good things, fabulous. But of course, um, there's a couple other things that really stood out to me and these aspects of Japanese culture and of of culture and and life in Tokyo. I thought it was really interesting and there were some really great lessons that I wanted to bring back home uh, for myself and to also share with you all. So the first one was around silence and quiet. For a city of 20 million people, Tokyo is incredibly quiet. 
right? Like it's, you wouldn't think it. You see these photos of huge intersections with tons of people. And indeed there were, I mean, we were on sidewalks with hundreds of people um, and saw again, these huge intersections, these huge major thoroughfares. And yet for the most part, the city was relatively quiet. Simple things. People don't really honk, right? So in like a city, honking contributes to so much. People don't really honk. Um, the cars and the noise from cars and buses was definitely less. Uh, maybe this has to do with them using smaller engines or smaller wheels than we do in the U.S., but, you know, a bus coming down the street or a big car coming down the street didn't, it wasn't jarring in the same way that it can be here. I think there was one time that like a really loud car came by and it was like, whoa, where did that come from? But beyond that, it was relatively quiet on the street, um, even in the metro. So if you take the subway here in uh, DC, you know it's really loud and just the stations were really quiet. The machinery of the actual subways themselves that was on the subway just today and uh, the, the heater was so loud. Um, no, like we could like whisper to each other on the metro. It was that quiet down there. Um, and then even in restaurants, there was not this big noisy din. And again, some of this could be the construction, some of this could be the HVAC system, some of it could be the people, but it was a very quiet place. Very, very quiet. And what it kind of made me think back to is it made me think of Times that I've had people um, like stay over our house and because uh, we had a one bedroom house, we actually moved three days ago. So now we have a two bedroom house. But before when we were in a one bedroom, when people would stay over, they'd stay on a air mattress in the living room. Great. Awesome. Worked out really well. But you know, wake up early, got to go teach some yoga. And so suddenly I'm moving about the house trying to be quiet because there's someone asleep in the living room. And... There is nothing like putting a sleeping person next to you to make you realize how loud you are, right? Like I realize, oh my God, I'm banging plates around, cups, bowls, uh, doorways, cupboards. You know, I'm making so much noise, so, so much noise through my day without even meaning it. And it's so funny because, you know, once you, you start realizing, you're like, oh shoot, I clanged that, I clanged that. And then you start trying to be quiet and it takes just like a little bit of energy. It takes a little bit of mindfulness. You have to be exactly where you are to make something happen quietly. Meaning if I'm getting a bowl out of the cupboard, I can't just, you know, put my hand on the bowl, then look away and grab it out, right? Like take a moment next time you're in your kitchen to notice how rarely you're actually looking at what you're doing and how that creates this little extra noise, this little extra banging around. So let's bring this back to Tokyo. This made me think about how actually if you're paying attention, things aren't as loud, right? Like if you're, if you're watching, I don't know how you're walking down the street, it's a little quieter. If you are speaking directly to someone rather than kind of looking away and having to shout, you can speak a little quieter. Like all of these little things add up 
to create less noise. And, and so really this silence I really attribute to, yes, obviously mindful construction and, and a lot of the things I was talking about before, but also to mindfulness and of being present and of noticing what am I doing? Am I making noise here? Could I do this more gently? Could I do this more mindfully? And the other piece of this that made me think, oh, I actually think this is a mindful or a intentional phenomenon, not just chance, was um, a couple different practices that I noticed um, just in interacting with Japanese people. So for example, when uh, your waiter is handing you um, like a receipt or you know, even at the 7-Eleven, if they're handing you a receipt or handing you a bag or handing you whatever, they do it with two hands. So they will give you the receipt with two hands, look at you in the eye, and give you these, this receipt. Um, that takes energy. That takes extra time. That takes awareness, right? Because it's really easy, and I, I've been now noticing this so much now that I've been here back in the U.S., you know, someone hands you a receipt and is already looking away. They're, they're, they're not even looking at you as they give you something. Or if I'm giving money to a cashier, how often do we just kind of like pass it over, but we're actually looking at our phone or talking to someone else. In Tokyo, people will look at you as they give you something and be there for that moment and for that connection. And so that's one of the pieces that made me say, oh, actually, I think, I think the silence is on purpose. I think it's about being in the moment. And being in each moment, putting two hands on something rather than one, giving eye contact rather than not, um, and, and being present to what is in front of you. And I, I thought that was just so amazing and, uh, and, and, and just really was beautiful. <laughs> like, let's be honest, right? Like, humans, we're all a little bit of attention hogs, right? Like everything is about, there's, there's a movie playing and Samantha Maria Tard is the star and you have a movie playing in your brain too and you are the star of your movie and it's a great movie, like awesome. You deserve to be the star of your movie. But what I'm trying to say is, is when someone pays attention to you, when someone looks at you, when someone hands you something mindfully, you feel good. You feel seen, you feel like a human, right? Um, and there are so many interactions that we have in our days where we don't feel human, right? Like, yes, we're seeing a human in front of us, but maybe it should just be a robot, like, right? On both ends. And this is not knocking, you know, baristas, waiters, cashiers, bus drivers, like they're doing important work and like, and love them. And, and there are those ones that do connect with you. So this is not universal. And it's same, it's also on the customer side. I think when I, when I go up to the line at Whole Foods, I sit there and I'm like, oh my God, how would it feel if every single person that I was interacting with today was listening to their phone or talking on the phone or, um, or scrolling Instagram or trying to talk to someone else while I'm trying to help them, right? Because actually that's what a cashier sees all day. They see people looking at their phone, talking to someone else or like not, not actually engaging, right? And so it becomes this two-way street where the cashier has learned that no one's going to engage with them. And so they stop engaging with people and it kind of keeps perpetuating. Um, and it's really sad when you think about it. And it's really crazy when you think about it. Whereas in Japan, like 
people weren't really on their phones in line. I mean, definitely people were on their phones a lot, like on the metro and in different places. But when interacting with a human, you interacted with the human in front of you. And that was really, um, really crazy and really important and, um, and just really struck me as something that we don't do that much. Um, so couple things, you know, why, why is this so hard? Because I will admit I've been on a crusade for quite a few months now, um, to be more mindful and aware, um, of people and of the many interactions I have in my day. Uh, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in the busy. It's really easy. I'm a Vata Pitta. So my first thought doesn't always go to what does this human need in front of me, but rather what's going on in my head. I got so many projects. So, um, a big hindrance to the silence, to the awareness, to the recognition of human and other is energy. We live in a world where we believe we're really busy. We have a lot going on. We have a lot of demands on us. We have a lot of multitasking. There's a lot of expectation about what we're doing, at what age we're doing it, when we're doing it. I mean, this is like the, how many clients um, do I have that are like, I'm this age and I'm supposed to be X, but I'm not that. So what do I do? Um, right? So, so we live in a culture where there should be more and more and more, do more and more and more, make more and more and more, keep going. So if I'm not doing enough and I better do more and I'm kind of failing, why am I going to spend an extra three seconds to notice how I'm placing my bowl down on my table? Right? I don't have the energy for that. I don't have the time for that. Whew. Sounds kind of crazy when you say it out loud, right? You're like, oh, I don't have the time to not bang the door open or let the door slam because, you know, I'm trying to keep up in the world. Is that true? Is that really true? And... What it really made me start to think of, and it's so, it's like, I got really happy when I came up with this analogy because it's so on point. Like, I can come up with some pretty bad analogies, and this is a great one. Um, so, engineer here, learned a lot about engineering in my day. Um, so, motors, like, if you think about like a grinder or a mixer or a blender, like the noise that it makes, like, and you're like, oh, God, that like loud grinder, like loud blender, like, why does it have to do that? that noise is ultimately energy that's being wasted, right? So there's this energy that's going into turning the motor and, and grinding up whatever you're grinding up, and the noise is coming from inefficiencies in the motor. How, like what a perfect metaphor. I can't remember if it's a metaphor or an analogy, so you'll have to tell me. But what a perfect metaphor for us as we are going about our day. A lot of us are super loud, cheap $20 coffee grinders where we are grinding, 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 going, 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 and creating a crap ton of extra noise in the process because we're not directing our energy efficiently. Rather than putting our energy into the moment that we are in, the work that we are doing, the place we are trying to be, we are letting our energy scrape off and get distracted 
and thus creating the noise around us, whether we're banging plates and, and bowls and, and doors, or we're losing that energy to Instagram, to distractions on our phone, to whatever it is, TVs in the backs of restaurants, um, like seven TVs playing in the restaurant, right? Like we become these inefficient coffee grinders that are making extra noise. So this myth, it's, it's, when we talk about, I don't have energy to put my attention that fully there, it's really a myth because we think, ah, because the energy going into the coffee grinding, yeah, that's now, it's, it's less energy because we're putting so much into the noise. But actually, if we get rid of the noise, if we stop putting our energy to just the run around, we will give ourselves more energy to grind the coffee. So we're going to have more energy to do what we need to do because it's not getting lost to noise. Mm -hmm. So it's a myth that we don't have enough energy to take this time to think about this, to be mindful it's actually that we're going to recover the energy that we're losing by not being mindful. We're going to make that energy up. We can put it in. We can direct that energy. Don't be the crappy coffee grinder. Be the super sleek, noiseless dishwasher, okay? <laughs> um, you know, be that high-end uh, luxury grinder that doesn't make a lot of noise. You deserve it. You are not a black and decker. <laughs> Um, so, so let's just dispel this myth that we don't have the energy or the time to be mindful because what we lose in, uh, in, in those like, you know, one second or in that thought that we're getting to do other things, we gain back in directed energy, um, in probably time because you start like dropping stuff and moving slower in other ways because you keep forgetting this, forgetting that, forgetting this. And then also, um, you make up for it in satisfaction, right? Like, think about times that you felt really satisfied and really great, and probably that experience did not involve you staring at your phone. Probably, hands down, probably didn't involve you staring at your phone, unless you were FaceTiming someone you really love. But the great thing about FaceTime is that you can't check Facebook while you FaceTime, right? Like, you have to be on the video, and that's what you're doing. So very likely the satisfaction comes from directed present energy. So we actually are recovering all of this lost energy and it feels amazing. Another piece um, that's important, something that we have to cultivate. And beautifully, this comes from a Zen Buddhist, Suzuki. Um, I don't know how to say his first name, so I'm just going to call him Suzuki. He's a very famous uh, Zen Buddhist. And he talks about beginner's mind. So he says in, in Zen, we all need to have beginner's mind. What is a beginner's mind? A beginner's mind is someone that is seeing something new, uh, that is curious. I like to think of like, think of like a three or four or five-year-old uh, discovering something. Uh, my niece, Bernie, is two and a half. I get to babysit her. It's the best thing in the world. And when we're driving home, she'll be, she'll say things like, look at the flowers. Like, there's just so many colors, right? Like, and she is delighted. 
She is delighted by the fact that flowers exist. She's delighted by the fact that there's so many colors. She's delighted by the fact that her rain boots match the color of the flowers, right? Like they're both yellow, right? Like, like these tiny things are so exciting and are so new. And this is beginner's mind. Because when you are a beginner, there is an excitement. Um, our brains, they are pattern-making machines, right? And on the one hand, this is a really great thing because by creating all of these patterns, you know, we don't have to remember um, how to tie our shoes. Like, we don't have to learn that anew every day. Like, we know what it is. We know what right and left is. We know a stove is hot. We don't have to learn that again and again. But on the other hand, pattern-making is a world of assumptions. It's a world of an expert, Whereas a beginner doesn't know the pattern yet. So a beginner is excited. A beginner is curious. A beginner is present, right? Like if, you, if you'd never seen a stove before, you'd be really present around it, right? Like you see that fire and you're like, uh, is the fire going to grow? Is it, is this good? Is this bad? I don't know if this is controlled or not controlled, right? Like you have to be aware and present to what's happening because you don't yet know, oh, I turn the stove to six and then it becomes this high, right? You're like, I don't know what six is going to be. Let's see what six is going to be. Let me look at what I'm doing. Beginner's mind requires you to look at what you're doing. There's room for new. And, you know, in Zen Buddhism and in a lot of actually Buddhist traditions, they would say, can we look at everything as new? Right? Can we see the sky every day and be amazed? Can we see a bird every day and be excited? Can we see the sunrise and say, wow? Can we see our house and feel gratitude? Can we see a friend and say, oh, it's so good to see you? Can we um, look forward to saying hi to the cashier at Whole Foods? Can we, uh, you know, be present to our first sip of our latte in the morning um, or our coffee or whatever it is that you're having or eating. Can we say, let's see what my oatmeal tastes like today. Yum. I love oatmeal or whatever it is that you're doing, right? Like it's kind of iconoclastic in our society to think about going about your day like this. And, you, you know, in some ways you sound like a little, uh, it might sound silly, but it's actually beautiful, right? Like it's actually like kind of like we mentioned, like it's satisfying. It feels good. It is, you know, whether you think it's silly or not, when you're excited about something, you're excited, whether it's you won a million dollars or you just really love your morning coffee. The excitement the feeling is still the same, right? The like rush of love and oxytocin and satisfaction is still the same. So don't you want that? <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, oh shit, that would feel really nice to feel all the time, I think, I think. So that's what you get when you're actually present with people. So if I am in line at Whole Foods and I say, oh, I wonder who my checkout person is today. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, has it been a nice day for you? Right? And can I get curious about that moment and be like, oh, I'm so excited to connect to someone because you know what? I've been working by myself all day and it'll be really nice to talk to someone. 
done, easy, beginner's mind, exciting, connection. I'm more satisfied, Whole Foods person's more satisfied, the world feels a little more love, good, great, awesome. I know, I probably like, I should probably play this all back to like my baristas in Tokyo and see if they agree. And if they're like, you got this out of, I just handed you a sort of receipt, girl, like, are you okay? But, um, but I, it, it really, really struck me. And I, I know it's just part of their culture there. I can't speak to, you know, if, if this was like this true mindful, like here, I'm giving you a receipt, you know, spiritual moment. I mean, maybe not at all, maybe whatever. It's just, they give two with two hands where we give with one and it wasn't, it wasn't mindful. I don't know. I, I could be making this all up, but I will say how it felt. I felt cared for. I felt connected and I felt, I, I felt calm. Ah, I felt calm. That was a big piece, right? When we're not running around being black and decker, loud motor, there is more calm. Quiet begets calm. Slowness and not slowness like lazy slowness, but slowness in that you are present to what you are doing, that begets calm. And it feels great. It feels really, really good. So that's what I learned in Tokyo. That's what really came up for me. Um, it's something I'm really trying to bring in to my life now that I'm back here, uh, whether it's with one hand or two, but trying to go about my house with a little less you know, knocking into things. Um, quick side note there. I was always, uh, I, th I thought, always thought I was really clumsy. And like, I walk into like sides of doors and into tables and all this stuff. And I realized now, um, because I've gotten a lot less clumsy over the years. Uh, I realized now that it was because I was being so in my head, so not mindful that I wasn't seeing what was around me. I was already looking somewhere else. And so I ran into the table. I was already looking somewhere. So, so it wasn't, you know, my motor function isn't good. No, I literally wasn't paying attention. Literally was not noticing what was around me. And when I notice what's around me, I'm quite graceful, I would say. <laughs> so notice that today, right? Like when you're making dinner or breakfast or whatever meal you're at, how loud are you in the kitchen? And have you told yourself that you're loud in the kitchen? Because that's just how you are and you're fast and, and wily and you can do it. Or is that just a cover up for not paying attention and for not being present? Whew. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, especially if you've been to Tokyo, especially if you've spent more time there, if you are of Japanese culture or you live in Japan or you have anything else to share and add to this. Um, I would love, love, love to hear it. Thank you for listening to Happy Healthy Human Radio. I love this podcast and I love you all. Uh, so if you do have anything you want to send me, you can always head on over to BeHappyHealthyHuman.com or check me out on Instagram. It's at BeHappyHealthyHuman. I hope to see you at our Saturday yoga classes or on retreat in May because it's like I am not exaggerating. This is going to be a life-changing weekend. And so I really hope you'll choose to join. 
Have a fabulous day, my friends. The light in me so very humbly bows to that same light in each one of you. Namaste.